As I begin my thoughts today, I'd like to share, ask us to go back in history a little bit, to Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, 1944. World War II. How about Christmas Eve, 1944 in Germany? Now remember, in June of that year, the D-Day and the Allied forces were beginning to make their way across, the, across Europe into Germany. And if you remember, there was this, this counter-offensive, this attack in Germany in December that lasted through January, called the Battle of the Bulge. Well, on Christmas Eve, 1944, Martin Niemöller gathered with his congregation, part of the Confessing Church, not the, the German Church, the Confessing Church. And this is one of the, the lines or one of the quotes that came out of his service in his message on that Christmas Eve in 1944 as Germany was grasping onto its last hope. And as we know, looking back, the war in Germany would end in September of that coming year. Niemöller simply said, Man has fallen into the habit of living his life without God. Man has fallen into the habit of living his life without God. And for this reason, even today, we need Advent and Christmas to remind us that Emmanuel, that God is with us. That we are not meant to live life without God. And that when we live life as if there is no God, that wars and conflicts and brokenness happen all around us. God is with us. He dwelt among us in His Son, Jesus, and now He dwells within us as the Holy Spirit of God. These last weeks, we have spent time in the Old Testament, looking through and looking at the signs of the Old Testament that anticipate the coming of, of a Messiah. We saw in the person of Elijah that Elijah was prophesied in Malachi to, to return before the coming of Messiah and that that sign was fulfilled in the coming of John the Baptist. In Isaiah, we saw that there would be a virgin that would be with child and that was fulfilled in Mary who submitted herself and allowed the Spirit of God to create something new within her womb. That same passage in Isaiah tells us that there would be a son that would be born from this virgin and that his name would be called Emmanuel. And we have discovered last week that that prophecy, that that sign is fulfilled in the person of Jesus born in Bethlehem. And now let's turn to the New Testament because this language of sign continues to pop up especially in this beautiful Luke 2 story. So in anticipation of, of Christmas Eve, let's go to Luke chapter 2. We won't start in verse 1. We'll, we'll save the whole story for Christmas Eve night to share together, but let's begin in verse 8. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
Now look at what it says next. And this will be a sign. Ah, here's our sign. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. When the angels had gone from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then and, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us that they weren't going to look for the Savior, well, they were, but they were looking for the sign they, because the sign would point them to the Savior. The sign would show them the Messiah. And so they ran to Bethlehem and they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child, that he's Savior. He's Christ the Lord. And all who heard it wondered. There was a crowd, it sounds like, all that were there, all that, that were stirred by the shepherds looking for this sign. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. And while all wondered, it was Mary who treasured all these things and pondered them in their heart. And the shepherds, they went back, went back to their fields glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as they had been told, just as they had been told the sign would be there. And they saw the sign exactly as it was prophesied. Today we have good news of great joy for all people that a Savior is born, and that is Christ the Lord. And today we see that Jesus, once again, the babe born in Bethlehem, is the Christ is the Lord. Because why? Because He has fulfilled these signs. The signs of a child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. For when you find this child, you find the Savior. You find the Christ, the Messiah, the One that we've been waiting for. The Son of Mary. So let's pause and, and let's look for a few moments at these signs and, and see if there's something significant that we can, can discern and understand from them. First of all, the sign of, of a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. I think so many times we, 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 we might use the word swaddling clothes. We might think of, of, of something that you might put on, a garment or something. But I think it's clear and the understanding would be that these are cloths. Maybe something like a, a winter scarf that you might wear. There would be strips of, of cloth several inches wide and, and then of a certain length. And, and a mother would prepare to receive her child by, by preparing these cloths. And, and some mothers might even, even have uh, insignias or something sewn upon the cloths to represent the family. But when the child was born, these cloths would be wrapped around the child and sw the child would be swaddled in these claws. And certainly there's nothing undistinguishing about a child found in, in swaddling clothes. I would suspect that every child born in that, in that town and in, in most towns are swaddled. Swaddling is something that helps that baby transition from the snugness of the womb to the outside world. Swaddling helps to keep that infant feeling safe and secure. It helps them to, to sleep better, to keep themselves from scratching themselves. 
Scientists tell us it even helps to reduce the, the risk of, of SIDS in those early, vulnerable, weak moments of the child's life as that child is bundled and swaddled closely so that all you can see is the face. That's one of the signs you'll see a child wrapped in swaddling claws. But the second is more unique. It's more distinguishable. For this child that is swaddled will be found in a manger. Now a manger, there's nothing romantic about a manger. It is, it is a feeding trough for animals. If you've been around animals, if you've been around their feeding trough area, you know it's not the cleanest place on the farm. It's a trough that animals were fed in. You see, there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the inn, so they found shelter in a stable or possibly a cave in that area. And the manger that was used to feed the livestock in that stable or cave area became the bed or the bassinet for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I wonder if there's been another king in the history of the world that has come from his mother's womb and gone and laid in a manger, a feeding trough of animals. Yet this is the picture, the sign that we're to look for. The humility, the humbleness of God becoming man that we're to see. Now I have a picture here. Let's see if our picture came up. When we think of manger, we think of those pretty wooden things that we... we, we you know what I'm talking about, right? The wooden mangers. This is most likely what was mentioned when we see a, a, a manger from Scripture. It's, a, it's a, a, a rock that's been hewed out there. You can see where the, uh, where, where the feed would go, and it's, it's up a little higher so that uh, livestock would be able to, to eat. Of course, you can have that at different heights and levels. But notice how, how much like a bassinet that would be. And notice how as a child could be swaddled and, and, and with hay around it could be laid in that manger, safe and sound. So it's very likely that this is the kind of, of manger. I know on our trip we took to, to Israel a few years ago, they showed us some of the mangers and some of the stable areas of that time period and they, they resembled this. This would have been what we could have expected Jesus to be laid into. And I want to come back to that in a few minutes. So I wanted you to have this, this visual picture. So let's go back now since we see the signs and that they're to be wrapped in cloth and found lying in a manger. Let's talk about the meaning of those signs individually. First of all, the meaning of the, the word to be wrapped in cloths. To be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. We still swaddle our young. Now, I know things have changed since even we had our children a few years ago. But I remember, you know, that Morgan and Will, they came when they were ready. But with the twins, we got to decide when they were coming. And that's great for grandparents, right? Because grandparents that are six hours away can't get there when the, when the first and the fourth one decides to come. But they were able to be there when the twins were born because we had them by C-section. And so we had that, that morning came and the schedule had been made and so we went and, and we had the whole entourage with us. All the family was there and, and they were in the waiting room and I got to go in and, and so we began that process. Actually, Gabe began that process. <laughs> and I noticed they put a, a sheet up for good reasons I discovered later. So we started in that process and, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm 
there with Gay and talking. She's doing great. And I'm thinking, you know, the once-in-a-lifetime chance, you need to be a little more daring and adventurous here. So I made the mistake of peeking over the sheet. And the doctor said, well, are you okay? And I knew he wasn't talking about Gay. <laughs> so I sat down, and the babies came. Jennifer first, Alyssa second. And the doctor and pediatricians took them and, and did what they did. And then you know what they did? They swaddled those babies. They swaddled them tight and snug. They said, come here, Dad. They put one in this arm and one in this arm. They said, let's go see your family. So we walked out into the waiting room, and there I had them. And all you could see was their little faces sticking out. They were as snug as a bug in a rug, right? And I got to show them off, those swaddled twin daughters. And then off we went to the nursery to let the nurses finish their, their checking and those kind of things. We still swaddle today because it still brings that, that security and that safety and that, that warmth that a child needs. But think about being swaddled as the Son of God. A swaddled child, a swaddled infant is probably the picture of one of the most helpless creatures that there is. A swaddled child is a sign of helplessness. Now, now follow me, because this is significant. Almighty God, mighty warrior, the creator of the universe, the one that spoke, and the world was created, the universe was created, this God became flesh and was swaddled Helpless, vulnerable, powerless, totally dependent upon his earthly parents for life. This child, this Christ child must be swaddled or he would freeze to death in inclement weather. This child must be swaddled and fed or he would die of hunger. The great condescension of God, the humility of God, is no more greatly illustrated than in this picture of a swaddled infant. But not only is this swaddling a sign of helplessness, it's also a sign of God's love. It shows how deeply, how deeply God loved us that he would come and he would enter into our world as an infant, as a vulnerable, helpless infant, and give his life for us. It's a sign of love showing us that as far as Mary and Joseph were concerned, that Jesus was wanted. Jesus was embraced. Jesus was fully cared for by Mary and Joseph. Mary... I'm sure they didn't just find some claws, swaddling claws, lying in, in the barn. I would imagine she had those claws that had been prepared, cut for just that moment. And she took those swaddling claws as a mother, as a loving mother, and wrapped her newborn son so that she could love and nurture and care for him. Oh, as we look at that picture of the swaddled child, would we recognize the extent to how much God loved us and to what He went to in order to redeem and to save us? 
The swaddled child is not just a, a child wrapped in a few blankets. It's a child who is loved. A child who has come to love us. And now the meaning of the sign of lying in a manger. One of our favorite Christmas carols that we sing is, Away in a manger, no crib for his bed. Mary and Joseph were homeless in Bethlehem. They had no room, they had no place, they had no home to lay their baby Jesus. They were traveling, they were, were homeless, they were in a, a barn because they did not have a home. The lying in a manger is a sign of homelessness and helps even the poorest, the most desperate of us humans to realize that God understands our hurt. God understands our loneliness. God understands our complete and total dependence upon Himself. Mary and Joseph would soon flee to Egypt. As an adult, Jesus would be an itinerant minister constantly traveling from place to place and from crowd to crowd in the later years of His ministry to, to keep away from those that would be out to harm Him. This picture of Jesus lying in a manger offers a, a foreshadowing of the life and ministry of Jesus. So that in Luke chapter 9, later in Luke's Gospel, Jesus was reported to have said this, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay His head. But what else do we see in that, that manger scene? A, a child lying in a manger. I'm drawn to this truth that Jesus would tell us. John, is, in his Gospel, focuses on the signs of Jesus' ministry. A manger is a, a feeding trough for livestock. Jesus calls Himself the bread of life. You see, it's in that manger, it's in that, that feeding trough that livestock would come to find their, their nourishment, their, their food, their sustenance for life. And likewise, as we see Jesus, the bread of life, in that manger, we are reminded, we are pointed to the sign that Jesus is the bread of life. And He says in John chapter 6 that anyone who comes after Him will never hunger, for He offers food which gives and leads us to eternal life. How many of us or how many folks do we know that there's a, a hunger deep within? A hunger that, that is not met by the pleasures and the pursuits of this world. And, and every time we try to fill it with something, we, we continue to be hungry and needy. Oh, church, there's a, a need in each of us. There's a hunger in each of us that can only be met by going to the manger of Christ and sharing in the bread of life. The signs of Christmas point us to something greater than themselves. The signs of Christmas point us beyond claws that wrap a child. The signs of Christmas point us beyond a manger. They point us to the reality, to the future of this Christ child. They offer a glimpse into His life, into His ministry. I'm fascinated in, in Luke 23. In Luke 23, as Luke continues this story of the birth of Jesus in Luke 2, in Luke 23, in the crucifixion story, 
Luke puts a bookend. In Luke 2, Luke says that Jesus will be found wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. In Luke 23, Jesus is found wrapped in linen cloths and found lying in a grave, in a tombstone. The tomb of, tombs of those days would have been most likely carved out of a, a, a rock. It would have been in a, in a, in a very uh, a, a rock floor and bottom. So again, I think that's why this, and, and I don't know, we, don't, we suspect that the manger was, was a stone trough of some way, but again, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And now, at the end of Luke's Gospel, this child is wrapped in linen cloths in preparation for his burial. And he's laid in a stone floor again in a tomb because he's died for your sins and my sins. You see, the signs of Christmas ultimately must point us to Easter and the good news that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, has victory and power over death. If you would, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. John picks up on this connection between Christmas and Easter as he, in this beautiful passage in 1 John 4 that, that talks about Christian love, agape love. Find it here. 1 John 4. Just start in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. We, we spent all fall talking about how we should love one another. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now here we go, look at verse 9 and, and verse 10. By this, by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world. That's Christmas. That's what we're anticipating. God sending His Son into the world to be the... I'm sorry, so that we might live through Him. Verse 10, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. That's Easter. That's crucifixion. And here John helps us to understand that the signs of Christmas continue to point us to the signs and the reality of Easter, the purpose of Christ coming to live with us. And it's so important for us to make this connection. Because you see, the world is happy to let Jesus be wrapped and lying in a manger. Hoping that He will stay there eternally. There's not too much offensive about baby Jesus. We love baby Jesus. And we respond to God's love of sending His Son to come and to live and to dwell among us. But we struggle and the world struggles with Jesus, this same Jesus on the cross. The one who bore my sin. The one who bore your sin. The one who was crucified on our behalf. Yes, it's the cross that is the greatest expression of God's sacrificial love as Jesus took on the sin of all the world, and three days later, the Father loved and glorified the Son by raising Him from the dead, conquering death once and for all. Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, as a promise and as a hope for all who believe in Him, 
to conquer our grave. Oh, that's, that's how we stand and that's how we do celebration of life services. Because we have hope and we have the promise that Christ has conquered the grave. And that we have victory over that in Christ Jesus. And we must remember that the birth of Jesus was only the beginning point of God's plan to redeem and to save this world. I'm going to close with one thought, one more scripture. I know we've been back and forth a few times in scripture, but this truth came forward to me very powerfully. See, we've been talking about Emmanuel. We're making that link to the Easter story. Emmanuel, the God who is with us. The God who is with us is also the God who is for us. The God who is with us is also the God who is for us. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. And we'll see this unfold in, in Paul's letter to the Romans. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? The God who is with us is the God who is for us. He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for, for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? Abundant life, victory over death. Look down in verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or, or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 37. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. Everything founded in the love of God. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a beautiful, beautiful reminder. The signs of Christmas are not just about the God who is with us, but the God who is for us. The God who has brought life and salvation to each of us. You see, this is the miracle of Christmas. That we are loved by God. That we are loved by God so much that He would sacrifice Himself upon the cross. And therefore, because God loved us, we can love one another. So as these days of waiting and of preparation for Christmas come to an end, the question that we must ask is, are you ready to receive? Are you ready to receive this child found wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger to receive Him as Lord and Savior? And if so, who are you sharing this gift of love with? Who is God calling you to love and to nurture and to be present with during this season and over this next, these next days? Let's pray. Father, we have seen today that You have fulfilled this sign, this sign of a child in swallowing clothes and lying in a manger. You have fulfilled this sign through Jesus the Christ, the Son of Mary. And we've seen how all the other signs of the Old Testament have been fulfilled and point towards Jesus, the Son of Mary, Jesus of Nazareth. 
Father, today I, I pray and, and hope and invite all those who've, who've yet to make that profession, who've yet to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that their mind, their heart, their soul, their entire person understands this truth. And they receive You. They receive this gift of Christmas and this gift of Easter. Because we have experienced that, Lord, may we be faithful to love and to nurture and to care for those around us, especially in this season of Christmas cheer. Father, come and minister to us. Be strength to us to allow us to love each other. As we stand and sing in just a moment, I'd invite you to come. If, if God's stirring something in your heart, you come and we'll pray and celebrate what God is doing if you have something to share, what God is doing in your life with us, then you come and we'll share and celebrate as a church. But you be faithful as God leads. Let's stand and sing together.